This is episode 14 with business coach and owner, Paul Maskell. This is Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson. Finally realizing my master's degree only taught me so much, I decided to start on a journey to learn more about what it truly means to be a pencil leader and how we can leave a positive mark on people and the world around us. So each week, I'm going to bring you a topic or a guest that will help guide us on our way to grow and leave a positive mark wherever we go. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Productivity is never an accident. It is always the result of a commitment to excellence, intelligent planning, and focused effort. Paul J. Meyer. And so many times we heard people say that we need to multitask, multitask to get more done, where in reality, single tasking and automation are really the most productive and beneficial to us and our businesses. So we really need to seek out what we can automate and delegate to others or buy programs to help our businesses and lives run more efficiently. Paul Maskell started his first business in 2011. He was soon working 60 to 80 hours a week with a business that couldn't survive without him. So Paul started systematizing everything while empowering a team to run the business better than he could. Before he knew it, his revenue doubled to almost $500,000, while the number of hours he worked dropped below 40. Paul then sold his business for three times the net profit. He's now back into business ownership with two local businesses, while also helping ambitious business owners automate their business so they can leverage their business to build a life that they love. Paul, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks so much for having me. How are you today? doing great. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Good, yeah, no problem. Really excited to uh, dig into your expertise on automating business um, and just getting a lot of good information from you today. But first, tell tell me a little bit about uh, your backstory, man. Yeah, so uh, I currently live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been here about nine years. My wife, Angela, we've been married for seven. We've got a three-year-old daughter, uh, originally from Michigan, so uh, grew up in the Midwest. And then I got a finance degree and did what everyone told me to do, which was go to college and then go get a good job. So then I moved to Chicago, started working in the cubicle world, mm-hmm. corporate America. And my plan was to do what everyone told me to do, just climb that ladder, make your 3% raise, you know, eventually when you're 65, then you can retire and then enjoy life. So that's what I went to do. And I realized real quickly that that just wasn't for me. So I think I was grateful in the sense that I started my finance career just before the big recession. So I started in 2007 and by 2008, things kind of came to a halt. Luckily for me, I was kind of the last person hired, but I was watching all these people who were so committed to this career, this job, this cubicle, this company, just get let go, mainly because they'd been there too long, more or less, because the longer you're there, the more you make. And when you're cutting expenses, you just kind of look at the numbers. So to me, and none of those people were happy with their job in the first place. And I didn't really love it either. I was just doing what everyone else was doing. Um, And I just realized that you shouldn't have to spend like 40 years of your life doing something you don't really enjoy to then go enjoy life when you might not even be able to, you know, 65, 70 years old, depending on physical capabilities and where you're at financially and all that. So uh, I basically quit my job. Uh, Long story short, quit my job, went and traveled around South America for a couple months. And then I really realized I'm never going back to a cubicle. (laughs) So uh, relocated to Raleigh. Uh, that's where my wife, she was girlfriend at the time, was. Uh, we didn't want to deal with the Midwest winters anymore. And uh, 
since then I've been uh, running my own businesses and, you know, now helping other people kind of, we all start our businesses Mm -hmm. because we have that vision of, you know, I want to work less. I want to make more. I want to have the freedom. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And unfortunately, that doesn't always happen when we start our own business. We get busy, we get inundated, things take off and we're just working in our business 24 seven. So my goal really is to help those folks get out of working in their business so they can really leverage that business. Like you said, so we can use our business as a vehicle to do the things we want to do, whatever it is, travel, spend more time with family, have a house, you know, do whatever we want to do because that's really why we took the risk. We should be able to reap the rewards. Absolutely. And I think one thing that stuck out from your story to me was just the fact, uh, and I agree, we get told so much like what the process is uh, getting out into the real world. Okay. Get a degree, then find a job within your degree and just work and work and trade your, your time for dollars until you can retire and then hope you have enough saved up to uh, enjoy the rest of your life, which I mean, now with all the the health updates and everything we're coming across is, is lengthening. And so a lot of people aren't, aren't sustaining past their retirement funds because they don't plan correctly. And so, yeah, that's huge. I think, and automation and finding your own business and then being able to automate that is a huge part now, especially with everything that we have going on in life, trying to automate that. And um, because time's so valuable and we can do so much more with the automation. So I'm excited to hear about that. So kind of what got you into the, I know you said with spending all the time at business, but like, is there anything else that kind of leans you toward getting more automation? Well, I realized that, you know, we start a business to be able to have that business run without us. Like that's our goal. Like, oh, this would be nice. I can make money and not have to work. And I can kind of reap the rewards of all the work that I put in, all the sweat equity, Mm -hmm. the time, the money, the late nights, the blood, the sweat, the tears, all that. And then before we know it, our main goal is just to survive the day. I just (laughs) got to make it till tomorrow. I got to make it tomorrow. And that is not sustainable either. We might as well go back and get a job because at least we have benefits and we have paid vacations. So you know, what I realized was, like you said, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, um, very successful business. And I loved it. I would rather do that than sit in a cubicle for 40. But I also realized, um, you know, it came to the point where we couldn't go capture any more success because I was the one in the way. Like we can't go do any more business or sell any more things because there is no more of me. There's no more time. There's no more bandwidth. So I realized and it was the same realization I had when I quit my job. The worst case scenario isn't as bad as we all think it's going to be. So if I quit my job, my business crashed and burned, I could always go get another job. Yeah. So I started looking at this automation and delegation thing the same way where I can delegate this to somebody. And if it doesn't work, well, one, I'm going to learn a lesson. But two, if it doesn't work, I'm just going to end up back where I am anyway, doing it all. So I might as well take the risk because there really is no risk. Yeah. Like other than getting over the it's my baby. Nobody can do it as well as I can. <laughs> you know, but, but when I realized that the worst case scenario was exactly where I was that moment, because if I got hit by a bus, everything would go to zero quickly. Mm-hmm. Then it's all upside because I can delegate it and it might not go as planned, but then we can learn and improve. And really, you know, I was so scared to delegate. It was my baby. Nobody could do it as well as I could. And like I said, once I remember when I quit my job, it's like, okay, let's, let's do this thing and start the process. So I think where a lot of a lot of business owners also get hung up on is 
automation just means it's going to happen automatically. It doesn't necessarily mean technology, although there's a lot of great technology out there. Right. It just happens without you having to do anything, mm -hmm. like because you've already you've built the systems, you've built the process, you have the expertise. And I realized I had a gift because I figured it all out and I was kind of selfish if I didn't share it with others, whether it was I couldn't serve as many clients as I wanted to or I couldn't give you know employees as good of opportunities as I could. Um, but now really I want other business owners to really learn from that experience to get to where they want to go that much quicker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's, that's really what got that journey started and the realization and getting over a couple mindset hurdles. But it's kind of an addicting thing once you start delegating or start automating. Sure. And you see success, yeah. it's like, well, let's do more. Let's keep going because now we're growing. Like you mm -hmm. said, we doubled our business. The hours I worked kept going down while I was also giving other people opportunity to have, you know, something that they wanted to do too. Yeah. And that, that part right there is, is so awesome. And something I really strive for with, with pencil leadership and, and this endeavor I'm going on is if we can delegate, that means we're having someone else do a job that we were doing, which means we created a position for them and then we can help them by giving them a salary. So like we're, we're helping someone in their life within our own business, even though our business is to help people like we're doing it internally that way too, which is, I think is such a cool aspect and a, a thing or a, a position. I really didn't see it as uh, first off. Like I was like, yeah, I'm going to hire people. I'm going to have to pay I'm going to have to not make, quote unquote, make as much money because I have to delegate this. But it's like, wait, I get that. That's just another avenue to help somebody in their life. And like you said, something that they love doing. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's really, they were so grateful for the opportunity too. I think a lot of times we get hung up on like, oh, you know, they're just doing Like just because we don't want to do it anymore doesn't mean there's nobody else that wants to right. do it. Like stuff that you hate doing, I might love I doing and vice versa. So when you start building that team and they're so excited to do the things that you didn't want to do anymore, mm -hmm. just because then you can focus on higher dollar yeah. things and you can grow the business and give them more opportunities. And then they get more specialized too, because eventually they get busy enough where you start peeling back the things that they don't really love doing, you know, and you start building a really cool internal organizational structure where there is so many opportunities to advance. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really a, intricate puzzle adding all these different people into your organization but like you said the benefit and the the growth possibilities just increase so much with it uh, and I think that's why it's so important to look at the automation uh, of our businesses um, so I'm curious with your business the first time you started to to introduce automation or delegation into different position what was like maybe a couple of the first things that you wanted to delegate or that you did delegate? Yeah. So we were running after school uh, sports programs for elementary okay. kids. So we had a lot of busy work. We basically, the very first thing I delegated, I still remember it is we had our online registration system where everyone signed up to do our program. And then we had to take that information, download it, put it into a presentable format mm -hmm. that we could then give to the coaches who could then, they know who's going to come to class. And then we would also give it to the schools So they knew who was going to stay after to play golf or play tennis gotcha. or whatever. So, you know, it wasn't anything earth shattering. And I think a lot of business owners get stuck. It's like, I don't have enough work to hire somebody, you know, even part time to <laughs> right. do it. This was literally like maybe an hour a day and not every day. Okay. Um, but there's so many, you know, in the quote unquote gig economy, you can find people to do anything for as little as like 15 minutes a That's day. True. Um, you know, what we did was we already had coaches delivering this service. 
Um, they were out there running the programs. I was just the backbone of everything else, the marketing, the HR, the reporting, the operations, the finance and all that. Mm -hmm. And those are the things I needed to start peeling off. So I just reached out to our team of coaches and said, Hey, you know, who wants to start helping out doing a little bit more? And then they all feel there's so much, they feel so much more part of the process too. It's like, Ooh, this is exciting. We're making a difference. We're serving more kids. You know, now there's more opportunities. So that was literally the first thing that I delegated was I recorded a video this is how you do it. Go here, click here, mm -hmm. do this, download this, send it here, print it this, bring it to this. And you know, what I really realized is that 99% of the people in this world are good people. Mm -hmm. It's not like we would all be dead because we don't kill right, each yeah. other. So <laughs> they're not going to screw it up on purpose. They're not going to be like, Oh, I'm going to get him. I'm right. going to run this report wrong. Yeah. Right. We just, if you have a good judge of character, people aren't going to do that on purpose. They're going to do it because you didn't give them something, whether it's a tool, technology, training, mm -hmm. support, whatever it is. So you kind of refine it over time. But that was the first thing I did. And they did it. They did it just as well as I could. And then the even cooler part is they're looking at it through a different lens. So they're like, hey, Paul, did you realize like if we did it this mm -hmm. way, it might speed it up and make it easier for the, you know, the principal yeah. or the office administrator, or the coach or the kids or whoever. Then everyone is like trying to improve this process that a day ago really didn't exist other than in your head. That's awesome. Yeah. And I've thought about it so many times, like one brain, like when you have multiple people thinking on things, like so much more is possible because they're all going to bring a unique perspective and ideas and, and vision. And, and if we're doing it by ourselves, we're going to be so focused on everything. It's going to hinder our ability to see those new ideas. And, and again, goes back to just how the business can grow. Um, so that's, that's a great point now with that. Okay. So were they, those people that you got to do those tasks, was that your first kind of employees? Yeah. So they were technically employees because they were out delivering the mm -hmm. service, but they were kind of the first employees doing something that I normally mm -hmm. did, you know, in the office right. type of work. And I just built kind of a virtual office where we use Slack to communicate all our nice. documents were on nice. Dropbox. Yep. And, you know, there, there was no, a lot of like, I don't know if I can afford an office, the overhead, all that. It's like, right. you know, you, you can build a virtual office for basically mm -hmm. nothing. Now you can have a Google drive or Dropbox. You can have Slack. Yep. You can have zoom, which what we're talking yep. on. All these things are, you know, free at least for the first initial version. Exactly, yeah. And the free version is plenty for 99% of small business owners. So yeah, so they were technically kind of the first uh, office employees okay. where they were doing more than just out coaching yeah. kids. And I'm curious with that because I'm, I'm fresh into starting a business and don't have employees yet. Was there a big learning curve as to how to deal with them as far as like salaries or anything like that insurance, or was it a certain contract or, or through gig network type things? Yeah. So, you know, it was really just kind of, as you build the, you know, even before it's kind of take a few yeah. steps back of what is your HR process and how do you weed people out? You know, if you have a really good kind of recruiting process where you're slowly weeding people out, giving them kind of tasks, mm -hmm. we still do this in our businesses today. So, you know, for anybody listening, if you're having a tough time hiring or whatever, you kind of put people through tests so that by the time you interview them, it's like, as long as they're not total jerks, they're pretty much hired because gotcha. they followed the directions here. They met this timeline. They answered the phone, you know, professionally. And then they showed up to the interviewer. Like you're putting them through all this series of tests. And eventually it's like, oh, you're hired because you're really cool. And I want to hang out nice. with you. Then it makes it a lot easier to have those discussions, mm -hmm. you know, so as far as compensation and all that, 
you know, we didn't offer health insurance or anything. We weren't a massive company. Gotcha. Uh, and most of them, most of them weren't even looking for that. They were just looking to be a part of something really cool and rewarding yeah. and building a fun team. Um, you know, so, but yeah, we had standard employee agreements, um, you know, depending on what state you didn't recommend right. you talk to a local attorney sure. to build those up. Yep. Uh, you know, because that's a whole nother thing. A lot of business owners are afraid of attorneys because they feel they're expensive, right. but, uh, they're a lot cheaper than the alternative. Yep. <laughs> what could go wrong? Absolutely. So, and just coming, coming up with a fair compensation. So, you know, for example, what I did for them mm -hmm. just to, I didn't want to pay them hourly. I didn't want them to have to be punching clocks. Gotcha. I didn't want me to have to be tracking hours. So I said, Hey, normally this would take me 30 minutes. I'm going to assume it takes you an hour. I'm going to assume it takes twice as long. So I'm going to pay you $15 for that task. Assume it's quote unquote gotcha. $15 an hour. But if you get it done before then, great. So that also encourages them to become more efficient. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, if I can learn that, if I can get this done in 20 minutes, now I'm effectively making $45 an hour because I can do it three times in an hour. So I didn't ever want to get into the counting hours game. So basically what I did is I added up all the things that they're going to do. Said, hey, it's going to take you twice as long as it would take me. And it's on you to get as efficient as you can. So I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars. Gotcha. You know? I'm going to pay you $1,000 a month or five, you know, $5,000 every, whatever it is. Right. Then they're getting paid to get a job done, not getting paid by the hour. Yeah. Cause that whole hourly thing to me, I don't, I don't enjoy it. And you know, they should have an incentive to get it done quicker and they should just get paid for results and not how long it takes yeah. them. Cause what I learned in the corporate world, uh, being as naive as I could, mm -hmm. uh, cause I didn't know any better. I was getting my work done by lunch and everyone else was taking all day. So I thought if I go tell my boss, mm -hmm. hey, I'm getting done by lunch. What else can I do? Like, I thought they would be like, oh, this is awesome. You can have more money. But it's like, no, you can have twice as much work, but still get paid the same. Yep. So I was like, this, this, whole th this whole, you know, quote unquote, counting hours yeah. type thing was just not my cup of no, tea. I'm so with I kind of did the yeah. opposite of that world. Yep. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of people like, and I feel like I'm more efficient with my work um, whatever I'm trying to do. And yeah, the hourly thing is just like kind of a bummer because you get done so fast and you almost get penalized. Like, yeah, I get more work for no more compensation. Okay. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Oh so, yeah. So did you find in the process of automating or delegating that, did you ever try to automate something and it turned out to be less efficient? Did you ever have anything kind of bite you like that or no? Yeah. I mean, I think on a micro level, you're always kind of testing things. Yeah. Um, you know, so whether it's how you hire people. So like I said, the, our hiring mm -hmm. process, we've really refined it over time. At first it was like, Hey, let's just set up an interview and you know, I'm going to base it off your resume. And then I realized I was wasting a lot of time interviewing people mm -hmm. because they just weren't who I thought they were when I was going to go sit down with them or they showed up late mm -hmm. or whatever. So then it's like, okay, let's add in a phone interview for 10 minutes and not even really to learn more about them as far as the questions I'm answering, but can you meet that timeline? Like if I call you at 1230, are you going to answer? How are you going to answer? Okay. Then that was, you know, so then you slowly add these processes um, to just become more efficient because mm -hmm. you start valuing your time more and right. more as you build your business. So, you know, even creating systems and processes of, Hey, let's, let's try it this way. And it doesn't always work that way. But when you realize it's not, life and death. Right. It's just business. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. Yep. And if it doesn't work, let's figure out another way sure. to see if it works better that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Trial and error, I think is huge. And, um, so many people are, I think are so afraid 
of making an error or messing up that they don't even try things. And so that's where they get kind of held up at, I think. So, um, so do you have any big plans to automate more in the free in the future as you grow? Do you have more things that you wish you could automate right now? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think there's, there, you can always automate the, the bigger you grow mm-hmm. anything, the more specialized everybody becomes, yeah. you know, for instance, so I run a podcast myself. Nice. Yes. Um, and we've got, I don't know, 350 episodes. And I'm still the one who edits every episode. <laughs> now, it might not be the best use of my time, but I'm not at the point where I can pay somebody, right. you know, $1,500 or $2,000 a month when it might take me an hour, an hour a week. Yep. So if it takes me four hours a month, mm, you know, I don't know if my time is worth $500 an hour yet. Right. Um, you know, so there's always things in the future of like, yes, eventually I don't want to do that anymore. Right. But until yeah. then... It's kind of the opportunity cost. So when people are looking to delegate, you know, you kind of evaluate what's kind of the lowest ticket items. Mm-hmm. If I had, if I could do less of this and more of that, would I make more money or make a bigger impact or build a better business gotcha. or have more time with my family? Yeah. You know, so I think that's the other thing, you know, just for all the listeners out there is what else can you automate? Um, when we had our daughter, you know, before that we used to clean our own house hmm. because it was just me and my right. wife and, we could get it done in a couple hours. Yeah. Well, now when you have a three-year-old, you never actually finish cleaning the house. <laughs> you might, you might clean the floors one weekend, yeah. and then you might dust another weekend, and then you clean the kitchen the other weekend. <clears throat> but your house never clean because you're only doing one part. And it was like this is silly. Like we could pay somebody a hundred bucks to come clean our house, and it frees up, you know, eight hours of our time. Our time is worth more than twelve dollars an hour. So let's pay them to clean our house. They're going to do it better, yeah. and that gives us eight hours to spend together as a family or, you know, eight hours to grow, whatever it is. Yeah. Those opportunity costs of don't just look at what you can automate in your business. What else can you automate in your life? Can you do grocery pickup? Can you do grocery delivery? Like time is our most valuable asset as you had mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, Chris. So, you know, we all have the same amount. What determines our success is what we do at that time. You know? Um, So that's, that's kind of how I look at it. There's always things, the, the more life goes on, the more you're going to automate, systematize, delegate, whatever, yes. uh, because you're going to get more specialized and you're going to prioritize different things at different times in life too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a big thing is the different stages that we reach, it'll be different, uh, tasks that we can automate and delegate and have to even deal with. And so like, I'm just starting out, you have an established business. And so I'm just at the point where I'm going to be doing most of it, uh, until I can see some return probably. Um, to be able to then to delegate the smaller, lower hanging fruit. Um, I guess for those out there who might be just starting uh, a business or entrepreneurs that maybe just have ideas, what would you say would be um, the lowest hanging fruit to automate? I know you mentioned before about um, your employees taking um, the information to the coaches, the people signed up to them but just a generic, I guess, low hanging fruit that you could think about automating first. Yeah. So I would recommend that they could just go through a simple process. Um, You know, so what I recommend everybody do, I kind of call it the delegation snowball. Mm. You basically write type out. I like to use Excel. It's easier to sort things, but you type out everything that you do and then how long it normally takes you, who should be doing it, you know, in this future organization that you're building, and then how bad do you want to delegate it? Hmm. So how bad is really, it's really relative to the person. You could either delegate because you hate doing it, 
just I, I, I know this needs to be done and I hate doing it, but what I recommend most people doing just from a mindset standpoint is, you know, what thing would be the easiest to delegate? So that way we can start having success. It could be as simple as cleaning your inbox once a day. Like, yeah. you know, you could hire a virtual assistant for 30 minutes to go through your inbox, inbox whatever right. it is. Um, you know, so the low hanging fruit is probably the things that you are most confident that somebody else could do. Uh, we spend a lot, we try as business owners, especially if we're bootstrapping and starting up, which I've done with everyone, mm-hmm. um, is we try to do everything. And, you know, there were things that we would do from like a very basic graphic design standpoint, trying to get something done on Canva, mm-hmm. trying to yep. edit this document. Finally, I was like, let's just go to Fiverr. We'll pay somebody $5 and they'll do this right away. So like very, very, Things that would be very simple if you had the right tools. It's like, ah, I don't want to buy Photoshop right now. So I'm going to try and wing this and find a free platform right. and, you know, to remove the background on a picture, mm-hmm. say. When really you could go to Fiverr, you could have it done in less than 30 minutes. And you're going to spend like all day trying to figure this thing right. out. Whereas somebody else could be working on that and you could spend all day doing something a little bit more productive. So yeah. every business is different, but I would really look at that. Look at the opportunity cost. What are the easiest things to delegate just to get your mindset right of, Hey, other people can do this and they're going to do it better than me because that's what they're experts at. You know, if you're an expert at building widgets, then focus on building the widgets, yeah. not all the other right. stuff, whatever it is. Right. Um, but yeah, so I would yeah. recommend just going through that quick exercise, yeah, type one. everything out, how bad do you want to get rid of it? And then just whatever one's the worst one, get rid of right. it, you know, um, and then go from there. Awesome. So, and I know this will be different um, basically for any, anyone's uh, perspective. But um, good, one of those moments. Completely had a question and it just. All good. <laughs> All right, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, for those out there who are starting, who might still have a nine to five job and are trying to start something on the side, would you suggest them? still trying to delegate things, even if they might not have any uh, revenue coming in from the side hustle? Uh, I mean, it really depends on a couple other factors. Most people, especially most Americans, waste a lot of money on things that aren't really adding any value Mm -hmm. to their life. So if they have extra income, whether it's, hey, we could get rid of cable or, hey, we don't really need, you know, an escalator. Hey, we could have a smaller house or whatever it is. And then maybe use that money because that's going to get you where you want to go quicker, which is probably quitting your job. So if you could peel off even 500 bucks a month from what you take home to put it towards something else, like what am I, what, what am I going to get a better return on? Yeah. $150 a month to direct TV or $150 a a month to a virtual assistant who I can pay $4 an hour and get 40 hours worth of work done so they can work on that. And then when I get home, I can take from where they went Mm. And, you know, go to the next level. Now, I'm not saying everybody can do that. Right. But, you know, I think the other side of that coin is if you're working a nine to five, you still have a lot of time to like do your side hustle because a nine to five, say it's an eight to six. So say it's an eight to six. By the time you drive, water cooler talk, traffic, whatever. So that's 50 hours a week. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you're going to say you sleep eight hours a night, even though most people don't. That's another 56. So you're 106 hours are committed. You have, 168 hours in the week. What are you going to do with those other 62? That's literally more time than you spend at your nine to five. Mm-hmm. So you could totally do it. Now you say, oh, I got a family. I got kids. I got this. Right. 
okay, spend half that time with them. Spend 31 hours a week with your family, which is a lot. Like, still a lot of time. You know, a couple hours every weekday and eight to 10 hours on the weekend, whatever it is. Well, then you still have 30 hours to work in your side hustle. That's like, you can get a lot more done. Most people who work a nine to five only work like 20 hours a week. I've done it. When I sat in a cubicle, most people worked like half of the day. The other half of the day, they were just wasting time because uh, it's a very inefficient place to work. So yep. if you're focused for 30 hours, what could you get done? A lot more than what most people think because most, the average American watches like 40 hours of TV a week and spends 20 hours on their phone. Yeah. So you're not going to get any return watching TV. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I think just using your time wisely, I think, is the, the first biggest step in figuring out, yeah, what you can take out as far as financially uh, and then put it towards your business if it's truly, you know, something you want to grow. So I think those are great uh, tips and um, pieces of knowledge that we can take uh, as we go out. So I want to kind of go over the five traits of pencil leadership and see um, what your thoughts are on those. So the first one is that we all need mentors or coaches to help us get to the next level or, or progress in our journey. So have you had one or, or two mentors that stick out in your mind that's helped you that have helped you get to where you are? Yeah. I mean, I think in-person mentors and even just consuming content oh, from yeah. other, you know, thought leaders and podcast hosts and all that. But I would probably say just going back to the beginning of my parents. Mm. So my dad ran his own business forever. He just retired. So oh, wow. he's been doing the same thing for 44 years. Um, you know, really just learning from his mistakes, learning from his successes, and how can I take that into any other business? Um, and then I'd say I'm very grateful for my mom, just because she was very financially savvy. She didn't have a lot, she, but she worked really hard and saved her money, and now she was able to retire early. So really understanding the value of a dollar, and mm. you know, they both they made me get a job when I was 14, <laughs> which I'm very grateful yeah. for because you really understand what it takes to be successful. Um, so I would say just from an all encompassing life, business, professional, personal, all that, I would say that. That's awesome. Yeah, those are, yeah, I'd have to agree. My parents have been big influences in my life as well. Uh, so the second one is that um, pencils have to be sharpened to be more efficient. And so like that, we, we sometimes go through times that are hard, uh, that might hurt, have you been through a time like that, that you've been able to look back on and seen how it's positively impacted your journey? Yeah, for sure. So I would probably say even just recently. Mm. So I own um, a dog walking and pet sitting business. Nice. And along with that, I help run a landscaping business. I'm a partner there. And then I would see coaching other clients as mm -hmm. well. And I had somebody, he was running the dog walking, pet sitting business full time. I didn't have to worry about him. He was actually an employee at my first business working full time. So like he was doing everything. He was awesome. Great. Um, and I trust him with everything. So I kind of just said like, Hey, you know how I work. Here's where everything's documented, just taken and run with it. And he did. So I really didn't have to worry about him. Um, and I probably got a little bit too comfortable because then he out of nowhere put in his two week notice um, a couple months ago, not because of the the business, but he had to move back home, which uh, was in a different state mm. uh, for family reasons. So he had to be closer to family um, and he was running everything. So, you know, even though I, I was still following the business and I was still doing the financials and everything, um, I didn't really have a backup plan because I, it was one of those things like, I didn't think he'd ever leave. I'm like, Jack's never going right. to leave. Like <laughs> he was with me for four years with the other business. Yeah. He's been doing this, um, but he left. And at first I was like, well, what do I do? Do I just like, 
close up shop. Like I don't really have time to take this thing back mm. because I am kind of more invested into the other endeavors, the clients that I was working with right. and all that. Um, you know, so it's kind of those split second things of like, oh man, the world's falling. And then after digesting it and talking to the rest of the team and then making some other, you know, opportunity cost decisions. Well, if I stop working with this client, I can take this back or whatever. Um, you know, I think it was a very valuable lesson. Even for me, yeah. who I love automating and delegating everything, you can't get too comfortable. No, that's a great one. Yeah, definitely kind of thinking of all sides of things to to prepare. That's a great lesson to learn. Absolutely. So the third uh, trait of pencil leadership is that um, pencils have erasers, obviously, to try and um, fix mistakes. And so, and this is kind of personal, so you can answer however you want, but have you ever made a mistake um, that you recall that has taught you a valuable lesson? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that's the only way you learn. The only way you improve is by making mistakes. So I try to mitigate, I try to mitigate mistakes, just not in the sense I don't make them. That's far from the truth. But when I do make them, it's not going to really impact anything long-term because you've kind of set up that foundation. At the end of the day, if you make a mistake, it's how you react to it. So one example, probably the, one of the bigger ones when I first started delegating. So going back to the story where I was, people were downloading these reports, creating the roster, uh-huh. sending them to school, sending them to the coaches. So we had like a fall season and then we had a winter season. Okay. So fall season went great. And then the winter season comes along and the, the guy that was doing all these things, Arthur, if he's listening, uh, he still consumes a lot of our content. So <laughs> he runs the report, gives it to the coach and when he gave it to him, he actually sent me a Slack message said, man, he said, Hey coach Paul, look, every, all 16 kids signed up again, like no kid left. And every kid came back. Like, (laughs) this is amazing. And I was like, that's a little bit weird, but I'm trusting you. Like the coaches are, I knew the coaches were great and whatever. Um, and then by like three 30 that afternoon, like his phone's blown up, my phone's blown up. So our protocol was if a kid didn't show up to class, we had to call the parents to make sure he didn't get on the bus accidentally or to make sure he was, you know, maybe he was sick. Mm-hmm. And then the other protocol for insurance purposes were if a kid showed up and they weren't on the roster, we couldn't accept them into the class because it means they didn't sign up. And if they didn't sign up, they didn't sign our liability yep. waiver. And if they got hit with a golf club or whatever. Right. So anyway, the coach is trying to deal with all this. These kids are showing up and they're not on the list. And then he's calling home for kids who, you know, who should, who are on the list, but they shouldn't like, so it was mass chaos hmm. and it was all on me because I, I had never encountered that, but just cause I never encountered it didn't mean it was never going to happen. Right. You know, and he didn't think to look, he's just like, Hey, I'm just following this process and doing <laughs> these things and exporting this, but he had pulled the fall roster for the uh... winter one. So the coach thinks these kids are going to show up and they didn't show up. And then he thinks, you know, so then he's calling home. Hey, is little Johnny there? He's supposed to be at golf class today. They're like, what? We didn't sign up for the winter class. Mm-mm. And then these kids are showing them like, my mom signed me up. And then the mom oh, showed no. I signed him up. And we're like, well, we don't have record of that. Or we didn't think. So he pulled the wrong one. So, you know, that was a quote unquote big mistake. Yeah. A lot of parents were upset. But then I just say, call everybody. Tell them you're sorry. You made a mistake. And we'll give you, a, you know, a $20 refund or whatever. Um, and then everybody loved us even more. So it's always about how you yep. react. And then how I reacted was we update that process to take the time to look through it and compare it to the last one. So like if, it, if it's a little bit too good to be true, like 
then maybe just double check or maybe rerun the report, gotcha. you know, type of deal. Yeah. So that's just one that sticks in my head because yeah. that was kind of the first time where it was like, you know, it hit the fan <laughs> per se. Right, so, yeah. um, but you know, two days later, everyone forgot about it. We were better. The customers loved us even more and you know, we improved our that's processes. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. How we react to things is huge because when we make a big deal about it, it's going to be a big deal. But if we just kind of like, all right, this happened, we're going to fix it. We're going to move forward. That's perfect. So the fourth uh, trait of pencil leadership is um, the outside of the pencil can get beat up. It can chip, nicked, all that. Um, but the lead inside is what's most important. So what is a character trait that you um, – really, really want people to see through you, whether it be like integrity, time management, fairness, whatever that might be to you? That's a good question, Chris. And I like how you kind of build that with the pencil, but I I would say empathy. So I would say on both sides of the coin with the people that you deal with. So you have your, you know, if you're a business owner, you're going to have employees Mm -hmm. or team members, and then you're going to have customers. And where most business owners get stuck is from their employee side, if they've never done the job they're delegating, you start to lose respect because it's like, hey, Chris, go do this. And then you say, okay, Paul, well, how do I do it? And I say, I don't know, figure it out. <laughs> then you're like, well, that's not a very helpful boss. So I didn't have empathy for you. So I need to, you need to have empathy for what your staff is going through on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And then they will love you more because they know you got their back and they know you they know you know what they're going through. So empathy is so important there and, you know, really being a good leader. And then with your customers too, like I put out so much content on this. It's the simple golden rule. Just treat your customers the way you want to be Absolutely. treated. Know what they're going through. Know what the pain points are. And, you know, just put processes in place to solve them. And then your customers love you even more. And it's usually nothing earth shattering. So, yeah. you know, I'm a partner in a landscaping business and the biggest complaints customers have with landscaping businesses, you don't show up, you don't do the job. Mm. And then we never hear from you because you never answer your phone or return phone calls or return emails. Well, let's just do all those things. And then we kind of sell ourselves and then the good work will keep them coming back. You know, so having the empathy for the customer, which is basically the golden rule that we learned when we were like four, treat others the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. No, that's a great, great point. And that's a great uh, trait to, to want to focus on for sure. So the last trait of pencils, uh, pencil leadership, is that obviously a pencil is is made to leave a mark, um, no matter the surface. So what positive mark after everything is over here on Earth do you want people to be reminded of from you? I would say helping others get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So obviously I do that a lot with business owners, yep. but I do it with just you know people in my life as well. A lot of times we as individuals get so stuck in the weeds, we don't really have that vision. We don't, you know, where do I really want to go? Why am I doing this? Um, And then when we kind of figure that out, then we need to put a plan in place to get there. So really taking the emotion out of some of those decisions and say, hey, this is where you want to go. This is what you kind of have to do. And it might be tough love, but Mm. on the other end of that, they're like, oh, thank you so much. So really, that's really what I love to do is just helping other people, you know, obviously mainly business owners get to where they want to go. Because once they do, they have so much freedom. They can do what they want, when they want, where they want. Like you and I, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and we're hanging out in our home offices, chatting right, on Zoom. Exactly. Like 99% of people would love to be able to do that. Absolutely. So how can, how can we take what we've done and help more people get to where they want to go? For sure. Yeah. And that's the, and that's a kind of almost a bigger reward than like 
the money we could make. It's, it's knowing that we can make a difference in people's lives. So uh, that's a great, great point there, Paul. But again, just so humbled and grateful uh, that you chose to take some time out today, Paul, and, and join us on Pencil Leadership and um, leave a good um, amount of value for our audience. So thank you so much. Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation. No problem. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, share it with someone else and make a positive mark in their life. Also, head over and leave a rating and review at Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think of the show. Help me improve it as we go. And don't forget to check me out on Instagram at chris.anderson8 for motivational, educational, and behind-the-scenes info. Now let's go out and make a positive mark being pencil leaders.